Welcome to the greatest hour of your week, the greatest hour of our week, the First in Ten podcast. My name is Cage DePaulo, and as always, I'm joined by my humblest of co-hosts, the most elegant man there is, Michael Clement. How are you doing? Well, Cage, I'm the best podcaster in the league, and Cage DePaulo is a sorry receiver. And just staying humble here, um, I don't even... That wasn't very humble. Yeah, it wasn't humble at all. You, that wasn't humble at all. It was the but complete I... opposite. I, I know you said you were trying to gas me up as someone like who's humble and like... I just wanted to go against the grain. You just there. went. You just went the complete opposite just, approach. Just, just a big, just you know, curveball there. <laughs> How was your wild card weekend, Michael? I really enjoyed wild card weekend. It was it, good. We took a great nap. Yeah, we actually like both fell asleep simultaneously. We both went into a food coma during the Eagles Bears game. I believe we. Yeah. Like, it was like not because the game was bad. No, it was a good game. It was just like we consumed so much pizza that like it got to the point where like I think it was like. Close to the two-minute warning in, like, the second quarter, I, like, nodded off. And, and then I nodded off because Michael nodded off. Yeah, and the and next then, thing you know, we woke up, and it was, like, a one-point game, basically. Yeah, we woke up. It was, like, the beginning of the fourth quarter, and, like, I, I was shook. And, like, <laughs> I, it was, like, I, like, woke up. I'm, like, did I actually just fall asleep? Yeah. Like, it w- I, I wasn't even tired or anything. It was just the food. The food just knocked us out. And, unfortunately, I mean, I got to watch the Saturday games, um... But I was working, so I watched them during work. I ended up obviously, you know, recapping and rewatching them when I got out. But yeah, it was definitely an eventful, eventful, you know, wild card weekend. We'll get into that definitely later on. A lot of stuff has happened since our previous episode. Tyler's uh, gone, hanging out with John Gruden. He's not here this week. He's down in Florida interviewing for the Bucks job. Yeah, he he's uh, actually trying to become one of Bruce Arians' uh, assistant coordinators. So if you see him in Tampa while you're watching this, definitely give him the thumbs up and the good luck. And Tyler. While you're down there, you could you could plug our social media, and we're about to do that right here. What so, should Tyler say when he's going to the well, Bucks Tyler, job? Tyler should say, "Hey, if you like amateur podcasts um, that get uh, probably like around twenty views per week, times ten. Times, um, I mean, times ten is not it. it we times can, ten. We, we can't times ten it. But anyway, if if they were to find us on our website, you could easily go to first and ten sports the number ten dot com mm. or but what if say yeah say say the Bucks GM say he's more of like a Spotify or an Apple Music kind of guy if, if he's if he's a guy that wants it from the source if he wants it from Anchor from iTunes from Spotify he can find us on first and ten the, the, the with the and symbol and, and the number ten and the number ten if you're more of a social media guy yeah which you know the Bucks do like they have a good social media game so I'm sure Tyler yeah. could bring that up in the interview yeah. you could follow us on Twitter where we post all of our episodes. At first and ten pod, it's the and written out, but still the number ten. And obviously, you know, you don't have to be part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization. You know, if you're in Tampa, maybe you're a fan, or maybe if you're in Washington or anywhere. If you're a member of Cambridge Analytica and you want to leak Facebook info, but also listen to sports podcasts while doing it, you can find us on Facebook at first and ten with I, the and symbol and the number ten. I didn't understand that reference at all, but it's I just feel like it's something very it's funny. C- it's kind of a dead reference. It was, oh, okay, you, you remember that whole thing when like that like business kind of like sold people's information on Facebook. Oh, it's all that. Yeah, it's all that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. To, it, was all right. a, it was a cheeky joke. I get it. Anyway, it's, it's funny. Anyways, anyways back to we're sports. Not, we're not here for cheeky jokes. We we're all, here. Well, you know, I feel like there's always some kind of controversial cheeky joke we make in episode. Yeah. And, but well, sticking to sports, right? Sticking to sports. Wild you know, card weekend. Wild card weekend. I think this was one of the better wild card weekends that we've seen in a while. I think it was... See, the, I enjoyed the games. I feel like the AFC side of the spectrum... We're definitely way more of blowouts. Um, yeah, but at the same but like, time, weird. Like, at the same time, like I think both of those games definitely beat like the Jaguars against the Bills. The, in the Bills wild last, card year. last year. Oh, a hundred percent. These wild card games were way better than last year's. I mean, and, and they weren't necessarily blowouts so much because obviously the Chargers and the Ravens ended up becoming close down the line, but it just felt. Almost like it was a blowout. Like, even when Lamar Jackson was coming back, it was really tough to believe that they were actually going to come back. Yeah. And we'll delve into that in, like, a second here. I just want to go down the line. So, I mean, we can start talking about the Colts-Texans game. That was the first game on, mm. on Wild Card Weekend. Um, Texans lost 21-7. to Yeah. That was, was, a ba- a pretty, that was probably one of the worst losses. It was probably... The Colts had probably the most commanding lead out of this Wild Card Weekend. And... It was all. It was mostly thanks to like a kind of 
a source that you would have not known, like, not expected, rather, to, you know, do well in that game, Marlon Mack. He had 24 carries, 148 yards, and a touchdown. He, like, the Colts just ran it down the Texans' throat. Well, I, They started out, like, passing at the beginning. Like, T.Y. Hilton was able to get a couple catches very early on. And then Dontrell Illman, Inman and Eric Ebron got going a little bit. But for the most part, like, I feel like to keep their lead, the Colts just kind of ran it down the Texans' throats. Well, the thing is, and I feel like we mentioned this last podcast, I, like the one of the biggest deciding factors in this game, I really feel like, was just how much better and more elite the Colts' offensive line is compared to how badly the Texans were. I mean, the Texans had a great season, especially starting 0-3. No discredit to them, but you could tell their shamble of an offensive line is one of the biggest reasons they lost. Deshaun Watson had no time to throw the ball. He had no time to do anything, you know. Lamar Miller couldn't get the run game going because of the offensive line. Meanwhile, the Colts' offensive line, which only allowed 18 sacks, made J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney basically a non-factor. And like you said, they were able to run the ball so well that they could have a two-dimensional offense, and Andrew Luck would be able to sling it in what? I mean, he threw three touchdowns? I think he threw two. Two, two touchdowns? Two touchdowns and, like, a pick or two. Yeah. But, I mean, still, he, he played good football and the football we expected him to play when honestly before the game and it kind of showed the Colts showed the Colts showed up the Texans didn't really yeah definitely on defense they did not show up and Deshaun Watson just was not able to like start any momentum whatsoever but like literally the only like memorable plays I remember from like the Texans like on defense were just JJ Watt like swatted passes and maybe like those picks yeah I don't know it JJ Watt like other than just like I think he might have gotten a sack I forget but like he 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 was he, he did not get a sack Andrew Luck was not touched that okay. game no quarterback that, hits no I think nothing. I think he got close once I think he might have hit him and then like mm-hmm. got called back or something I don't know I'm yeah I'm probably just digging myself a deeper grave right now it's already pretty deep it looks about six or seven feet yeah I'm from just where gonna, I'm seeing I'm just gonna hop in right now yeah yeah, yeah. But, don't worry I'll cover up the soil and stuff but yeah Colts are going to be moving on to Arrowhead. Which will be a much tougher game, and we'll get into that, obviously, with their game pick. So, yeah, they have to go. The Colts need to go to Arrowhead. And on the other side of the AFC, the Chargers played the Ravens. And uh, kind of like we said, it it seemed like it was was a very defensive game. Yeah. And the Chargers definitely ended up taking more of a lead. They were able to, you know, abuse holes when they could. But I think the biggest, you know— Achilles' heel was just the Ravens' fumbles. Just so yeah. many fumbles. So many fumbles. Not even, you know, Lamar Jackson had quite a few, but other, you know, their running backs were fumbling. Just the Chargers were able to get that ball out of them and give it back to Phillip Rivers. Because the thing is, Phillip Rivers wasn't perfect. He, it's not like he scored every offensive drive. There were a well, ton of stops. The, the thing is, like, the Chargers had so many opportunities to score, but the only times they really scored in those opportunities was with field goals. Like, Which Mike, is just how Mike, good the Ravens' yeah, defense is. Michael Badgley like was five for six on field goals. He had fi- he was responsible for fifteen of the twenty three points that the Chargers put up. That's like that's what I'm saying. Like that just shows how good the Ravens' defense was. Like the Ravens' defense, it all like really kept them in this game. It was just that Lamar Jackson and that offense couldn't do anything. Yeah, it until was, the, until the end, they started getting going like right at the end. Right at was, the end, but it was a it little was too, too late. late. I mean, to the point where you know people like fans were booing him yeah literally I booing remember him. That we were watching we were like that's crazy that these fans are actually booing their rookie phenom right now because he's having a tough playoff game yeah like the defense was holding in there but there's only so much they could do and i really also think it shows how like this joe flacco has already mentally left that organization from both sides the fact that they yeah. did not put him in shows that the coaches and Joe Flacco, neither of them just associate himself on that team that game. He was never going to be an option on that game. Yeah, he's going to definitely be released or traded whatsoever. Like, he's he's not going to be with the Ravens next year. No, that's apparent. But regardless, you know, the Ravens, their defense couldn't get it done, and they ended up winning. And the Chargers now have to go to New England, which I think will be a good game. It's The weather is still very up in the air. Yeah, there um, were reports early on that, like, it was going to snow. I like a in, lot too in Foxborough. We were like because we're in the area. We're, we were supposed to get like around like one to five inches of snow, I think. But now weather reports are like changing. Speaking of which, it might snow in Kansas City, which but, would be crazy. Yeah, that would be just a whole like shit show. But just th- the weather like becomes a huge factor in New England. 
And I feel like it becomes, like, a huge factor, like, nowhere else but New England, really. Yeah. Because, like, the Patriots just thrive in the snow. And, I mean, we're not talking about the Patriots just yet, but just... Just they, throwing that out there. They just do well. And, I mean, also, we'll get into it, but the Chargers, on the other hand, a team in L.A. where they yeah. never see snow. Yeah. It'll be, like, similar to when, like, Jared Goff and the Rams rolled through to Chicago in the and like, the season. freezing cold and they weren't prepared. Yeah, yeah but, they got shellacked. So that's what the AFC is looking like. Meanwhile, the NFC wild card, the first game, I believe it was the uh, Seahawks at the Cowboys, right, Michael? Yes, that was the Saturday night game. And that finished 24-22? to 22? Yes, Cowboys came up on top. Seahawks almost came back, and RIP to our friend Mike, who's a avid Seahawks fan. I was watching that game with him. Um, but yeah, like the he, Se- his dreams were crushed. I mean, yeah, he he by Jack Prescott. He wasn't like too into it until the end. He was like, "Wait a minute, we have a chance to win." Mm-hmm. But the Seahawks didn't have; they were not commanding whatsoever until probably that KJ Wright pick. Yeah. Like, towards the end of the game. It was the same situation as the Ravens. Like, they had the chance to come back. It was just too late. But um, uh, on the Cowboys' offense, Amari Cooper went for seven receptions for 106 yards. Zeke got going. He, Zeke is going to be the biggest factor for this Cowboys team. He's going to be. He, he, he rushed 26 times for 137 yards and a touchdown. He, he, he did the same thing that Marlon Mack did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the Cowboys, they're they're like a kind of sneaky hot team. I think Dak Prescott is playing just okay enough to have to be able to squeak by. And the thing is, the Rams and Saints defenses aren't—they're good, but they aren't like you know AFC side of the ball where like the Ravens defense they're is crazy. They're not as scary as Chicago. Yeah, they they're not as scary as Chicago. They, I think Chicago is the hardest defense in the NFC, and they got eliminated yeah. So last week. So, I mean, really, the Cowboys, you know, between the Eagles, the Saints, and the Rams, it's definitely doable defenses that Dak can play decent enough in. I mean, a, and I think, the, I mean, I think the Cowboys have the best remaining NFC defense left yeah. out of the four. I would agree, because Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, Smith and Byron Jones and Demarcus Lawrence, they, they're playing well. I mean, to hold, you know, Russell Wilson finds a way to make points happen, and to hold them down to, what, 22 points yeah, is definitely at, a good thing. At the same time, the Seahawks, I mean, I've I've said this like week after week, that the Seahawks' rushing game is imperative for this, this year's Seahawks team to do well. They only had 73 rushing yards, and that was amongst Rashad Penny, Mike Davis, Chris Carson, and Russell, Russell Wilson. Yeah. It was four people that put up 73 yards. Meanwhile, Zeke on the other side of the field, other side of the ball, put up almost double that. Not other side of the ball. They're both offensive. Players. Well, yeah, I mean, like... Other side, other, yeah, other, other side of the team, other, other side uh, of the grass, you know, I don't know. Other team, what the fuck are you expecting to say? I don't know, I don't know, I'm just cackling you, but... um. Yeah, that and I, that's a note I had actually was that the Seahawks have had one of the top rushing offenses this whole season. Arguably, they weren't first for a while. I think they ended up slipping. In, I don't think they're first. They might have still finished first, but they've had a great rushing offense. And to be held to under seven or seventy-three yards combined is just showing how well that D- Cowboys defense played. Because it's not like. The Seahawks' offense was off. They were playing fine. It's just the Cowboys' defense was all over them, suffocating the run. And it's, you know, foreshadowing to the cookies later. But I think that's going to play a huge factor in how well they can stop the run next week against Todd Gurley, or this week, I should say, to really decide if they're going to win or not. But, so you know, like I just said, they have to go now. The Cowboys have to play the Rams in L.A., Although I really think there's going to be a lot of Cowboys fans in this game, I, I don't think it's going to be as heavy of a of Rams home audience as people might think. L.A. has been really tough with crowds for both the Chargers and Rams. I think where, they're going to they're going to show up. You think so? Cowboys fans or Rams fans? Rams fans, because <sighs> what this is like. Yeah, but don't you remember the Packers Rams game in L.A.? It was the the Rams were almost like the away team. Well, yeah, they were they were getting booed when they were getting on the field. But now they're now they're a playoff team. They have a shot at a Super Bowl, and I mean, they were a playoff team back then when they played the Packers during the regular season too. But they, I mean, the fair weathered fans will come out. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I, I think definitely that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I I guess we'll see. I just have a hunch that I feel like a lot of Cowboys fans will be traveling to this game. Yeah, definitely. Cowboys fans are like on my like top five like list of like most like. Just insane fans. Well, also think about it. When's the last time the Cowboys have won a playoff game? 
it's has to be has to be the year they beat the Lions in the wild card round, right? That was the same year that Dez didn't catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> what was that, like 2013, 2014? Yeah, that was around like that year. So four or five years ago since the Cowboys have won a playoff game, like Cowboys yeah. fans are excited now about this. They've got their hopes up. They're yeah. ready to go. Allen Hearns' injury, that is unfortunate. Yeah. But obviously they, they showed they can still play, you know, with him in spirits. How about the final game, Michael? You want to talk a final recap game? Yeah, we got um the the thriller. The thriller Eagles coming up on top um over Chicago, sixteen to fifteen. Last minute, I mean last second field goal by Cody Parkey was blocked. Yeah. I know a lot of people still are convinced that he just shanked it. I but think, it was like, blocked. It the was, official it, NFL ruling was it was a tipped kick by yeah. t- some um. It was a. Uh, it was some defensive guy. tackle. I forget his name. Yeah, I do too. It was. It, it was. A, he's not a starter. I don't think. No, he's not. But um. Anyways, continue, Michael, with your recap. But yeah, it was a very like, very like slight block. Anyway, um, like his his index finger touched the ball, and that yeah. is what changed the tra- trajectory just now. Yeah, this is a very defensive game. Um, I feel like. The big narrative from this game is that, like, the Eagles, their defensive unit, they've had a ton of injuries. A ton. I mean, think about it. Their, their cornerbacks, I honestly had never heard of. Yeah, I didn't hear of them either. And But they're all really young, like, guys. I think that, I think they were talking about it on, like, the broadcast. I think it was Collinsworth and uh, Mike, Al Michaels. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how, like, that they just kind of meshed. Yeah. They're, they're starting to mesh together, all these young guys that assumed that they would just not play, let, also, a, let alone play in the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, also, flipping the other side of the ball, Nick Foles and Doug Peters, Peterson, really, like, credit to the coaching and just who Nick Foles is. This dude literally shows up in the playoffs and finds ways to win games. He threw 40 passes. That's crazy. He completed 25 of them. He won he, a million. He earned a million dollars from winning that game from yeah. his incentives. That was a million dollar game right there. Yeah, he did it. He ran the table. Yeah, he's he, he's he's, he's got a shot. Still continuing to do it. The crazy. That's the crazy thing is, people and we'll get about this when we go to our preview. People are actually saying that they could see the Eagles winning this game against the Saints. Yeah, I I find it hard to believe that. I mean, I will find it hard to believe that Nick Foles will still be a backup. After this season, he won't be backup. He's gonna be a f- he's gonna be a free agent, I believe, right? I believe so. Yeah, so he's not gonna be a backup. I mean, the Eagles could franchise tag him. I can't see them doing that because I can't see them wanting to pay that high of quarterback numbers. Yeah, just for a backup. Um, I mean, they could try to talk to him, but like you said, you know, he's somewhere. He's gonna get a lot of money to be a starter. Yeah, and I mean, one more player I want to bring up from that game, Allen Robinson. I I'm a big Allen Robinson guy. I hey, lo- Rob. I, I I was a big fan of him when he was in Jacksonville. He hasn't been that same though. Up he, until this game, he had ten catches, 143 yards, and a touchdown. I really enjoyed the. I mean, the way he just kind of was Chicago's offense. Yeah, I mean, because the, Trey Burton was out. You said. Yeah, Trey Burton wasn't active that game. Like you said, he really was Chicago's offense. And as much as these young cornerbacks and the Eagles, like you said began to start to mesh, he really abused them. He he kept the Bears alive in a game where their running game wasn't going and Mitch Trubisky wasn't getting it done. Yeah. Allen Robinson find, found ways to get them down the field and to move the ball to keep them somewhat in the game. I really think he was definitely the Bears MVP that game over like players like Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller. Yeah, I definitely agree. So yeah, Chicago, um, so now the Eagles are not Chicago. Yeah, Chicago's eliminated. I was about to I was about to say Chicago is going home. He didn't let me finish. Yeah, okay. Chicago's going home. Well, they Eagles they played are, they played in Chicago, so they didn't really go anywhere. Well, they they're going back to their they're homes. staying in they're Chicago. They're staying in Chicago. They're going to their homes right. in Chicago. It's not like they live at the stadium. Um, Eagles are going to Nolens. They're playing the they're playing the Saints. Sunday, like at four, right? That's the Sunday game. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the last game. That's I like believe. the last playoff game. It's really weird because the Colts had the first game of the wild card, and now they have the first game of the divisional too. Well, I think the reason that is they're having the NFC teams be the later games because yeah. they're the time. I goes. mean, I, I I know that, but like, yeah, the the I mean, the Eagles literally have the last game of the divisional round, like they again, did the wild card. Yeah, so, that is yeah. definitely weird scheduling. Yeah, it's funny how that worked out, but. We'll get into that with our previews. Yes. Now it's time for the, you know, our, our front our, office roundtable. A little discussion here. Um, so last week we were talking about all the coach firings. 
this week we're gonna fill fill you guys in a little bit on the coach hirings that um, have taken place. There's still a couple teams, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Jets. They still are looking for head coaches. So we'll we'll update you with that maybe later on once it happens. Assuming next week, I, it would be very Assuming shocking. I think the only team that is like staggering who they're going to like hire. I think they're going to wait a little longer, probably into the off season. I feel like the Dolphins are going to be the last team that like fills that vacancy. Really? See, I think it's going to be the Bengals. I feel like it's going to be Dolphins or Bengals because the, the Jets and Dolphins we've at least have heard of candidates coming in. I can honestly not tell you a single candidate I've seen the the Bengals bring into interview. They they asked for Josh McDaniels and Josh McDaniels declined because he was just he didn't want to be a part of that messy organization right now. Yeah. Uh, so I like and I haven't. I mean I've I keep up with news frequently and I haven't seen a single other thing about a candidate that's been interviewed for the Bengals job right now. I really think yeah. that they'll probably be the last person to pull the trigger on somebody. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I I, I just think the Dolphins will take a while too because. They're just starting their interviews. Yeah. I think on Friday of this week, of the week of January 9th, 2019, mm. they're bringing in their special teams coach, Dar- yeah. Darren, Pisa, P- Darren Rizzi. I, I thought I wrote pizza or something. My handwriting is Darren awful. Pizza. Darren Pizza. Um, he's going in, and also the Dolphins are looking into, Pat- into the Patriots defensive coordinator, Brian Flores. So... I think Flores is probably the stronger candidate here, but I think the Dolphins are going to interview a lot of people. Anyway. And it's also interesting seeing that they're not going with an offensive, or at least as of yet, that we haven't seen them look for an offensive kind of coach. But yeah. anyways, like you said, we'll uh, we'll go down the list from the order they were hired. So yeah. from like the first well, hirings to the last Yeah, hirings. just before I go into that, also with the current, current state of the Jets, mm-hmm. Adam they brought in Adam Gase for an interview. They brought in McCarthy for an interview. Mike McCarthy has said that he does not want any other coaching job other than the, the Jets, Jets, right? Yeah, which so, is interesting. I would like to see him go into the I think, I think, yeah, I think it'd be cool, and I think he could be good for Sam Darnold because as much as people or at least Packers fans try to shame or exile Mike McCarthy for, you know, the past few rocky seasons in Green Bay's, he was a Super Bowl winning coach. Yeah, you got to take that into consideration. You have to take that into consideration, and usually Super Bowl winning coaches don't stay off the field for a while like a while yeah. he'll he'll be back i in the saying how much he only wants to coach for the jets could definitely be a confidence boost for sam darnold and the jets and i really think they should consider him yeah it's it's going to be adam Gase versus mccarthy i feel for mm, that job for that job but you know speaking of mccarthy his yes. previous team the, yes, packers, the packers have hired a new head coach already matt Muff- matt lafleur who the, was the titans previous offensive yeah, coordinator titans offensive coordinator he is now their head coach that um, kind of knocks out Josh McDaniels from any consideration for any other team. He came out with a statement saying he's very happy staying in New England and he's not going to become a head coach this offseason at Which least. basically means he for like wanted... the past For like the past three years, he's been in consideration for like head coaching. So Well, I think what him saying that means he clearly the only candidacy he was actually considering was, was the Packers. Yeah. And I think him leave, saying that means he's still going to just stick with the Patriots to hopefully be the new air head coach once Belichick leaves. Yeah. And LaFleur like now joins, you know, Mike Shanahan's coaching tree. I mean, he's been in that, but he is now one of the one of three current head coaches that um come from that coaching tree. Kyle Shanahan, Mike Mike Shanahan's son. Um and Sean McVay. And Sean McVay, yeah. So it's interesting, and all three are very young guys as well. You can definitely tell. I'm honestly a little surprised by this hiring because, one, I feel like he was a name that wasn't really getting a lot of consideration. The Titans' offense, obviously their running game down the stretch was definitely um, one of their strongest suits. But I feel like Mariota didn't play that well this year. I, I Like, they were in it for the wild card um, till Week 17. But I definitely don't think it was anything too crazy. I also feel like I was expecting the Packers to kind of look for an older head coach to kind of go with Aaron Rodgers. So seeing them go with another young guy, I think more says that they're trying to follow the rest of the league. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But here's a, here's an interesting tidbit from next gen stats here. Mm -hmm. This season, the 2018 regular season, the Titans have had the highest expected completion percentage. Okay. So that was at 68.7%. 
Okay. For an expected completion percentage. The Packers, they ranked 27th. What was theirs? Oh my gosh. Like 60, 62.6. Okay. So, I kind of, I, I, going off of that one stat, mm-hmm. I already think LaFleur will do well with, um, with, with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers in the Packers offense because Aaron Rodgers is just trying, like, as they have Aaron Rodgers, they have their guy. Yeah. They just need him to deliver and yeah. get those passes. They have to pieces the around him. Yeah. They have Jimmy Graham. They have Devontae Adams. They have Randall you know, Cobb coming back. Randall Cobb hopefully coming, next year. Hopefully. You never know. I mean, with the Jordy Nelson release from this season, you don't know with Randall Cobb, to be honest. Yeah. And you also have Aaron Jones. So you have pieces. You just needed an offensive scheme that would work for them. Yeah, I think another to get big, like passes off to them. <laughs> another big thing worth noting is I believe I it was on breaking news this morning that the expectation is Lafleur is going to keep Mike Penton as their defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. which will prove stability for the Packers defense, so they won't have to learn a new system. Also, this was a Packers defense that played well towards the end of the season. Mike Penton's defense definitely hit more of like an aggressive three-four style. Definitely helps out the Packers, and I think it's good that LaFleur is going to keep him to, uh, you know, continue and to be able to keep a stability there on the defensive side of the ball, something he's not necessarily strong with. Yeah. I definitely like this move for LaFleur becoming the Packers head coach. Mm. I, 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 think, I think it'll work out well. I don't know. I think I'm very up in the air. I need to wait and see more what happens and how it progresses. But I will say the uh, the – the head coaching, God, I'm getting my words all tangled up. The head coaching hiring I'm most not sure about is this next one, the Cardinals, yeah, who we, they we, hired Hingle McCringleberry. Yeah, we both um, <laughs> we both agree on this. We are not a big fan of the Cardinals hiring, I mean, even firing Steve yeah, Wilkes. Yeah, first of all, I think it's crazy they fired Steve Wilkes. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that in the first place. But to bring in a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, who on the First and Ten podcast we will... Only referred to as Hingle McCringleberry. Yeah, he um, I don't get it. He, I really don't. So K- Kingsbury, just a little background. He was Texas Tech's he- head coach for a couple years. He coached Patrick Mahomes, probably the MVP this year. He was fired on November twenty sixth. He then accepted a job to become the become USC's offensive coordinator. Mm. On December fifth, and now he is now leaving that job to become the head coach of the Arizona he, Cardinals. Fun fact: I'm I'm looking it up now, live. He has a he has a 35 and 40 win loss record as a Texas Tech head coach. Yeah. So he he would lose a minimum. He lost seven. He had seven losses three seasons in a row. With Texas Tech. No, I yes, he had seven losses three seasons in a row with Texas Tech. What I don't get. And the thing is, I apologize for interrupting you, Michael. Like I said, I feel like the Steve Wilkes firing was very unrational because it was one year. And also, you just saw for weeks all these players on that team were sticking up for him, trying to get him to stay. Like Larry Fitzgerald. And they still went over the players and was just like, nope. And they got this guy who... It's such a weird, been a weird month and a half because he got fired because the thing is he he really wasn't that great of a head coach for Texas Tech. He wasn't winning them games. The only reason they were doing well for a stretch was because they had Patrick Mahomes. And they couldn't even win with Patrick Mahomes. And they couldn't even win with him. Exactly. You're right. And then, you know, USC hires him as their OC because he of his like he has a decent offensive-minded scheme. Like, he knows how to work with quarterbacks. I'll give him that at least. He just, you know, so USC hired him with their OC after a loss season. And then he doesn't even get to really work with the players at USC. Their season was over by then, basically. And then he leaves USC to go become the Arizona's head coach, knowing how much of a disaster that was this season. It's just, it's a very questionable thing from the organization. And also, I just don't have a lot of faith. I think he could definitely help improve Josh Rosen's play. Like I said, I feel like his best suit is he's good with quarterbacks. But I just don't know as a coach and a leader as a whole if he's going to be able to help put a winning locker room together. What I don't get the most, and just boiling all this down, is why the Cardinals fired their first-year coach for another first-year coach. It it just is really confusing to me. Like, do they just want to go in the direction where they're going to give, like, Kingsbury just the option to make their team, like, basically a college team? 
Like they're just they just paired up Kingsbury with Rosen because he's a young quarterback and they're probably just going to run like college schemes. Like I I think that is it, Mike. I I really I think they it's part of the Sean McVay effect. We're seeing it this year. Looking at these head coaches, it's a Sean McVay effect, basically. Yeah, All just, these teams are looking for young, college-like schemed head coaches, and he fit the mold. Like you said, like I think his strongest suit is he's going to be able to improve the play of Josh Rosen. It's just a matter of if he can improve the play as a team as a whole. Like, yeah, he might be able to make Josh Rosen play a lot better, but is that going to be enough to get this team back into the playoffs? No. Is that going to be enough to improve the defense? They have the number one overall no. pick, and... You would it'd be safe to assume though. Pro, I'd be shocked if they didn't go with like a Nick Bosa, or a defensive player, since this is definitely a more fa- defensively favored draft, especially for higher ups. Yeah. As of now, like higher up um, picks, earlier picks. So it'll be interesting to see. I just there's a lot more question marks than answers. I agree, and I know, like you said, we both agree with this one. And I'm definitely going to be interesting to see. Meanwhile, I guess they're listen. The segways are helping themselves. The former Cardinals coach Bruce Arians. Yeah, he is now. He uh he is landing in Tampa. Tyler didn't get the job. Tyler's yeah. trying to become his assistant right now. Yeah, Tyler did not get the job as head but, coach at least. But Bruce Arians is now the Titans. I mean, not the fucking the, the Titans. <laughs> no, the, Buc- not the Titans. The Buccaneers head coach. <laughs> and and uh, this is a really interesting one. I, I'm. I'm dis- I'm not disappointed anymore, but I wanted him to be the Browns head coach for a while. Obviously, we'll get to that in a minute, but I'm fine with it now. But I think this is going to be good for the Bucks. Bruce Arians, I love him as a coach. I think he's a great coach, a good guy. He knows how to lead teams and win games, like we said, with our biggest problem with Cliff, you know, Hingle McCringleberry was. So it'll be great. And also, I mean, he's coming in and he basically already has a staff together. Really, I, he he has you know pass. He has quarterback coaches. He has all this list. I was reading. The only thing he might not have now is it's reporting that Todd Bowles is choosing between now Tampa or Chicago, where he wants to go be the DC for. But he's going to be one of the two. But Bruce Arians is coming in. There's talent around that team, Michael. I, I don't know if you agree or not. Whether they keep Jameis, we'll see. But at the very least, they have Jameis as of now. As of now, we're assuming they'll keep Jameis. They have him. There's also, you know, the running game could definitely use some work, but they have Mike Evans, they have Deshaun Jackson as of now still. They have their you Adam Humphreys. Adam Humphreys, they have OJ Howard. Yeah, they have a they have a young running back core too. They're still trying to find their like lead identity. back. They're, 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 yeah, they're finding their identity with that still, but that's just a work in progress. Well, I think they're also finding their identity on offense, which is a big reason why I think Bruce Arians will be good for them yeah. because they needed an identity. And it's interesting to see that the Bucks are really the only team so far that is going down this older path. Think about it. I was reading, I believe Matt LaFleur and, Clint, uh, and Hingle McCringleberry are around 39, 40 years old. Yeah. Bruce Arians is 66. Well, yeah. And also going off of that, that just means that there are five head coaches in the league now that are younger than Tom Brady. <laughs> there are a lot of head coaches in this league younger than Tom Brady, which is very impressive. Also, Adam Vinatieri. Yeah. Both of them. Vinatieri is just Both the a ghosts. journeyman. Adam I Vinatieri is like 60 years old at this point. He's right? got, I, I saw him with white hair when I was watching like the Colts like wild card game, and I was mm. I was just shook. I was It was so weird. You literally, he looks like a grandpa right now. He is so old, and he's still so good at kicking the football. It's so impressive. I really hope Adam Vinatieri plays until he can actually retire at 65. <laughs> that would be amazing. But, yeah, Bruce Arians is coming in. I, I really think he's coming into a good situation. Michael, I, I feel like the Bucks' defense isn't that far away from being gr- good, too, if you on, agree. On paper, I feel like they have a very good defense. They had a lot of injuries, and I, we said we, this yeah, time and time again this we, podcast. I remember, like, a bunch of episodes ago, in one of our first episodes of the First and Ten podcast, I was just talking about, like, how many Bucks starters on defense have been on IR this season. And we're, like, out for the year, yeah. That's the yeah. thing. And he's getting them all back. And, I mean, if they get Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator, that'll be great for them because he works with Bruce Arians before in Cardinal in Arizona. And when he was with Arians in Arizona, that defense was a very good defense. Yeah. So it'll be great for the Bucks if they can get Todd Bowles coaching that defense. Yeah. And I really think the Bucks have a good chance with all out of all the new head coaching teams to be the ones that improve the most. Yeah. And just a side note, I mean, this isn't really a head coach f- hiring, but the former Bucks head coach, Dirk Coder is now 
the oh, Falcons' yeah, offensive the- coordinator, and he's bringing Mike Malarkey, another former head coach, with really him to be their tight ends coach. That's interesting. It's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. I mean, you know, Dirk Coder, he the whole reason he became their new the Bucks head coach three or so years ago because he can't he because took over he, for Lovey Smith and well because he just the Bucks organization they he was their interim right or I think or, so and he just he had a good offensive plan so I mean I definitely think Atlanta needs a new offense exactly it'll be interesting to see how that implements it's I think, also interesting to see Mike Malarkey another like head coach another like head coaching mind yeah is going to be like in that brain trust now of with of the Falcons offense so that'll definitely be really interesting to see and I I'm I mean I think that could work out for them Matt Ryan is definitely yeah. a different kind of quarterback from Jameis Winston yeah so we'll see how that works but they have you know basically Julio's like another Mike Evans Mosinu Calvin Sanu. Ridley yeah so I mean Austin they definitely Hooper. yeah they have a ton of weapons and they actually have a solid running game with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman and Ido Smith as well this year showed up so do, do you know who else has a good wide receiving core a good running back core and a good offense good defense overall. Is do they like to uh, hit up the kitchen? They do. Oh. The Cleveland Browns. This is my my favorite move of this offseason so far. Is just them hiring Freddie Kitchens as their as head, head coach. coach. That just came out today. Oh, I'm, I'm so very happy. excited about it. They I wanted to go and buy a bottle of champagne after reading they're, this. They're getting rid of Greg Williams, which is a little sad. It, it's upsetting, and I said it to Michael and a couple of our other buddies. You know, VR group chat. It's I I will always respect and love Greg Williams for what he did for that organization, and he is one of the biggest reasons they turned around. Freddie Kitchens obviously was too, but the culture that Greg Williams brought to this team and how they helped him out was so crucial in this team finishing seven eight and one. So crucial in this team being in the wild card hunt till the end of week sixteen that you have to respect him. At the same time, I see why they went with this approach because there could there was definitely going to be a power struggle if they kept the two of them. Freddie was definitely the person to keep because now think about this. Baker doesn't need to learn a new offense here too. Now they can improve the offense. Freddie is a good coach. And, you know, the Browns defense it had so many p- good players and stars on it, but the only thing they were leading the leagues in was I believe they led the league in takeaways and they were about top five in sacks. Everything else they were in the bottom half of the league for. It wasn't like their defense was playing spectacular under Greg Williams. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, and that's just a Browns fan of me, Michael. I'll let you keep talking about... Uh, Michael, every baker needs a kitchen. Does this mean that Freddie Kitchen's offensive playbook is going to be called the kitchen sink? The kitchen sink. I, I like it. I'm I'm rolling with that. Can we email Brown's management and ask them to name it that? I think we should. Like, like honestly, like I think that would be really cool to do that. Because can we, I feel like out of anyone in the league, the Browns would be the most likely to respond to us. Yeah. I don't know. Are there any players in the draft with food or kitchen-based names? Not that I know of, but I'll I'll definitely look into that. Because if so, we need to draft them. I'll, I'll, have we, an, I'll have an update for next We have episode. Jabril Peppers. We have Baker Mayfield. You got the Baker. Got, you got the Peppers. And you got the kitchen. You you guys had Ismaili Kitchen, too. Oh, uh, we had Ismaili. That was before tackle. our time, though. Yeah, that was before, before Freddie Kitchen's time. That was before Freddie Kitchen's time. But yeah, Freddie Kitchen's. What a glow up, Michael. Think what about that. What a this. glow up. He started this season, Hard Knocks, as their running backs coach. Yeah. Flash forward halfway through the season, he's their... Interim offensive coordinator. Yeah. Now he's it's January. Coach. He's their head coach. He got promoted. He got Less a big up. boy promotion, man. I really hope he succeeds. I hope so too, I dude. Really hope I so. really, I really hope he helps continue to turn this team around because his offense was stellar at the second half of the season. Baker Mayfield threw like two interceptions that whole second half. He, I mean. Be- Freddie Kitchens is the reason Baker Mayfield will most likely win Rookie of the Year. Obviously not the whole reason because Baker Mayfield is has incredible talent. Baker is Baker. Baker is Baker. But just the offensive play calling and the schemes fit Baker so well, it was able to help make his game next level. Every kitchen needs a baker, but every baker doesn't need a kitchen. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I feel like, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Every kitchen does need a baker. But we shouldn't say every baker doesn't need a kitchen because that just makes it seem like Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens don't need each other. 
No, and they, they need each other. They need each other. They're good. They're but be... every kitchen does need a baker. Yes. Every kitchen needs a baker. Yes. Can we're, that be our slogan? We're going to make t-shirts. With we're going to make t-shirts. Gonna... Our first ever first in 10 t-shirts are going to be every kitchen needs a, a baker. baker. And I love that. That's a great slogan. We should send that to the Browns too. Yeah. We should be their social marketing team. Honestly, like... We might just have to give up the podcast to join them. To join them. I'm sorry. This is the last episode of First and Ten. It's been a great ride, Michael. Yeah. Pleasure doing business Pleasure with you. Pleasure doing business. But, but that's not. There's one more hiring today. There is more. We can't. We, we can't. You know, gas up the yeah. Browns and then just end it. There is one more. Three minutes after Adam Schefter tweeted out that the Browns hired, I mean, promoted Freddie Kitchens to their head coach, the Broncos also announced that they are getting Bears defensive coordinator Vic Vangio as their head coach. Which is interesting. You said defensive coordinator. He is, as of now, obviously there's still three more head coaching slots to be filled. He is the first defensive-minded coach to be hired so far. Yeah. he The sp- first one. He was a defensive coordinator for 18 years yep. up until this point. Eight times his defense has been ranked in the top ten. Eight times. And oh. same time and the same amount of times his defense has been ranked in the top ten in scoring too. Mm. Which is very interesting. Considering how I mean a couple years ago how prolific Denver's defense was. Yeah, and I mean I think it's also very interesting because it just shows the mindset Denver's front office has because they know for a fact their strong suit on that team is their defense. They El- know they did not screw this one up, I think. <laughs> I don't think he did. I mean, I still think they need to address the offense. They need to get a quarterback. They need to get a wide receiver. They need to get a tight end. Like they need to get off they need to get offensive pieces. Elway can't ignore that. Yeah. But I think it's smart to go with a defensive minded coach because you have these prolific like all stars on your defense and every level of it that you needed a defensive mind unlike all these other teams because that's how you know you're going to win games is through your defense yeah and I, I i do think at the end of the day i could see him being the only defensive minded coach that gets hired because we know the jets are going to hire an offensive coach because they want a coach for sam darnold and the Bengals and dolphins that will definitely be a question mark but I can't imagine the Bengals going with a defensive coach because they know their defense is their weak suit. Yeah. And the Dolphins, I mean, they're they're a coin flip. The Dolphins could hire a special teams coach for all we know. Uh, hey, I don't know who the Dolphins would be going with, but yes. I wouldn't be shocked if the Broncos were the only ones to hire a defensive-minded coach in Vic Fangio. Yeah. And also, um, another thing too, I'm pretty sure. I don't I don't know if it's been a hundred percent confirmed yet. But I think Vic Vangio is Fangio. Look, Fangio. We've both been saying Vangio, and I'm, I'm like I'm trying to say Fangio, but like the V just comes out for yeah, some yeah. reason. But um, I think Vic Fangio is looking into bringing in Gary Kubiak back to Denver for their to be their offensive coordinator. See, so that'd be very interesting to look into. I would like that move because Gary Kubiak had a good offense in Denver, and and he knows what he's doing. He's been there before. He's had some of those players that were they they were there when he coached. So I definitely think that could work well as long as, you know, all the bridges weren't burned between Kubiak and Denver. Yeah. I don't think there were any. No, I don't think so. I think Because he left on his own accord due to, like, health concerns, I think. So I definitely could see it coming back. I mean, if health concerns are the main reason, you hope that he at least is better or healthier now. Yeah. Because I do remember those health concerns now that you now bring it up. But that seems to be all of the head coach hirings. Yeah. The rest is in the future. The rest is in the future. The rest We're, is for the next episode of First The rest is for the future. We're in the now right now. Divisional playoffs are coming up this weekend, Cage. Four more games. Four Last more time games. we'll have four games on a weekend this season. Yeah, until... So we'll cry now, until yeah. August. Cry me a river. Cry me a river. So, Last time we've got this many games. Let's hop right into it. Let's get this bread, Michael. That is a dead meme. You're right. It's 2019. I yeah. forgot. So first game, the Colts are squaring off. In Arrowhead. In Arrowhead against the Chiefs. I think one of the coolest things that Frank Reich has ever said Mm -hmm. as Colts head coach, he said this this morning, the Colts will not play keep away from the Chiefs. They're they're going head on against them. Which is smart. Yeah. You need to tackle the beast head on. Yeah. I think a big factor for their success last week was Marlon Mack. And I feel like if they can get Marlon Mack going again... they it, it'll pay off yeah i feel because they can't be one-dimensional especially in arrowhead just with the pass mm-hmm. ty hilton like though he goes off against houston he he might get locked down yeah it's it's gonna be 
a completely different game. We know the Chiefs' defense aren't their strongest um, part of the ball. However, Arrowhead is a tough place to play. Like, a really tough place to play. The Chargers just barely squeaked themselves out of a win a couple weeks ago when they played there. But it was it was down to the wire. And I believe that was when the Chargers won that game. When they took the lead, it was the first lead they had the whole game. Yeah. Also, the Chiefs, they, they want to win. You know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see because they had had a great season last year and obviously were upset by the Titans last wild card round, I believe it was when Mariota threw that own touchdown pass to himself. But this isn't the same Chiefs. This is the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. This is the presumably MVP Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. Yes. And I think kind of like with Lamar Jackson, this is going to be a huge test to see how he plays in this environment. Same with Deshaun Watson. Those are some of the biggest points I made last week on the podcast was with Lamar Jackson and with Deshaun Watson is these players haven't had the experience in the postseason like you know, Russell Wilson has, like Phillip Rivers has, like Andrew Luck has. And this is the same thing. Andrew Luck's been to multiple conference championships before when he was healthy. And he's playing like that again. Andrew Luck might not have been the MVP this season. That might be Mahomes. But I think the Colts have a more well-rounded team right now. I think they're very... The, the Colts are like very high right now. And also, the, the Chiefs haven't been the same since the Kareem Hunt incident. You know... Spencer yeah. Ware isn't a terrible running back, but he's not a Kareem Hunt. Yeah, they've also been using, I think, Damian Williams more, too, and he's been doing really well. They Didn't they sign him to an extension recently, I believe? I think so. Yeah. But yeah, I think, overall, this game is the biggest toss-up, I feel, out of any divisional game. Because I was watching the Colts game last week. I thought the Colts were like going to probably be a one-and-done team in the playoffs. But watching them last week, watching them tear apart the Texans... I think that it's just, I, I think it's just, I mean, up in the air. See, I, I agree. I think it is up in the air. My gut's telling me Colts, though. I really think You're the Colts, Colts are going to make a run. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to play great. I just think the Colts are going to be play better. I think the away environment isn't going to affect Andrew Luck. I really feel like him and Frank Reich are in a, you know, let's prove everyone wrong. We're the sixth seed. Let's, let's, let's do it all. And I think I think they're ready for the challenge of playing an Arrowhead. I really do think they are. We know Andy Reid, some of his biggest flaws as a head coach, as great of a head coach and presumably Hall of Fame head coach he is, some of his biggest flaws are his playoff time management skills. It seems like in the playoffs he struggles a little bit than he normally does in the regular season. And I think that could come to bite him in the butt because I think the Colts are ready and I think that if he doesn't play a perfect coaching game, I think they lose. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. So are you picking the Colts too? My heart is telling me the Colts. My mind is telling me the Chiefs. Well, you so got to go with your heart. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I, I think I'm gonna play it safe and go with the Chiefs here. <sighs> but all right. But if the Colts win, I will be very happy for them. I would love to. And see I will the not Colts. be surprised if the Colts win. I would love to see the Colts. I was thinking about it. I would love to see the Colts win the Super Bowl. What a story! That would be wild. What a story! Just if, coming out of nowhere. Not even nowhere, but you know, Andrew Luck missing basically two seasons. Yeah. More or less, a season and a half, mm. and to be able to come back out of when people really didn't think he'd be able to play again, and you know, him finally have a team around him and win. That'd be that'd be phenomenal. I don't think it, they will. I think they're you know the NFC teams would beat them, but I would love to see that happen. And I'm gonna go with the Colts on this game. Yeah, I mean the Colts would be cool to see in the Super Bowl, or I mean just even further in the playoffs. I just don't think they're a hundred percent there though. I don't think they have a hundred percent of what they need to get there. But I digress. We're on to the next game. Another to toss game. up. I think on to the next one. Yeah, this is another toss up game. Cowboys are going into L.A. to see the Rams. Um, this is going to be a huge defensive matchup, I feel. Leighton yeah. Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence in the Cowboys defense against Aaron Donald, Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, LaMarcus Joyner, etc., etc. A et lot of good people on that, on on that Rams, Rams defense. defense. And the Rams have the home field advantage. However, last year, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. the Rams hosted the Falcons and lost. And they lost badly. They they definitely did not perform as well as they thought they would, or people thought they would last playoff game and I, I think this is a different Rams team I really think this they are better than that team and I think they know what to expect for the playoffs this year Sean McVay and Jared Goff and all of them but like I said early in the show I, I feel like Cowboys fans really could come show up and I really think this game is going to come down to how well the Cowboys defense can play I think 
Zeke and Dak will be able to play well enough to score points. And Amari Cooper, obviously. I just It depends. If this Cowboys defense can play like they did when they played the Saints, I really think the Cowboys can win this game. Now, like you kind of said with the Colts-Chiefs, my, my brain is telling me the Rams still win because I think just the Rams have such... If they go full-out Rams like when they played the Chiefs earlier this season, I think Rams win this by a mile more than that. But I, I think if the Cowboys defense can even play a, a f- almost as to a T as when they shut down the Saints to 10 points, I think the Cowboys can win the game. You see, I feel like the balance of this game literally all rests in Dak Prescott and Jared Goff. They're both two really young quarterbacks, and who knows how they'll act in the playoffs. I They've both had very little experience in the playoffs. Dak just got his first playoff win. Jared Goff still doesn't have a playoff win. And they've both suffered losses in the playoffs before. I think that the Rams will pull this one out just because they're at home, just because their defense is, I mean, their defense. I think that Jared Goff will fare better against the Cowboys' defense than Dak will fare against the Rams' defense. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Dak got his first playoff win last week, which is definitely a good confidence boost for him. It's just, it'll be, I, I'm really excited for this game. I really think these divisional games this week are all going to be really good. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think any of them will be crazy blowouts. They have potentials to be. Like I said, the Rams could potentially. But I think it'll be a good game. I really think Dak and them will be interesting. I Like I said, my heart would love for the Cowboys to win. My brain is saying the Rams. However, one last thing before we move to the next divisional game. Quick question. Do the Cowboys fire Jason Garrett? in any situation this season, unless if they won the Super Bowl? I think that his job is pretty much safe. You think so? I think so. If they were to lose this week, it would be in more question than if they were to move on and lose in the conference championship or Mm -hmm. in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I think that just right now, it's like if Jason Garrett wins this game, I think his job is solidified. I, I I could see that, but all right, do you think it should be solidified? No. All right. I don't. I think. I think the Cowboys need to, and I honestly think it was the worst thing for Cowboys I to think, make it this far. I think it's like a little too late for them right now, though, because like, who are they going to get as a head coach? There's time. Look at what happened with the Titans. The Titans fired their head coach in the divisional round after they lost to the Patriots. Well, yeah, but now they have Mike Vrabel, who was just kind of chilling around. But like, there aren't many other players. They could promote their defensive back coach. He I was mean, a, he was a decent candidate. Yeah, they could. They could. Hugh Jackson's around. Oh, <laughs> Greg like, Williams is around. Now Greg too, Williams actually. is around now too. I would, yeah, I would actually like to see Greg Williams in Dallas. That'd be that'd fun. be interesting. He definitely has the ego to fit yeah. with the big uh, the he big can, star. He can start up the bounty again. I don't know. He he care. should definitely not start up the bounty again. He shouldn't. I, I love like, Greg Williams, but like, and I if would, any environment would like welcome that, it would be. It would definitely be Jerry Jones in the Cowboys. Yeah, but yeah, I I think I think Jason Garrett and I've you know Cowboys fans, friends of mine who are Cowboys fans, have said the same thing. He, he definitely needs to go. It's just they're in the situation now where they've actually made it to the playoffs and made it to the divisional. So you know Jerry Jones is just complacent and he's not going to let him go. He's not. But I think he should. I think Greg Williams would give the Cowboys that edge. Oh, that, I 100%, that, like, 100% think so. edge. I think he would that, definitely like, get them fired spirit, up. Yeah. Mm-hmm, definitely. Although yeah. we're done with our coach talks, I was just I was curious what your thoughts were, Michael. Yeah, Let's move on. What's qu- up? That was a good question. Oh, good thank question. you. Yeah. Wow, gas me up, please. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> go off, King. Keep, keep anyway, going. Anyway, moving on. I think this is probably the best quarterback matchup in this divisional. Oh, easily. Tom Brady versus. Philip Rivers. I mean, these are two future Hall of Famers. Yeah. So I, Chargers are rolling into Foxborough. Um, this probably this could very well be New England's last game in Foxborough, which is very scary for them because they have been abysmal on the road. Yeah, I mean, the only situation New England plays again next week is if I mean they, if they win. play in New England again. But like that's it, well, they'd have to win, and then the Colts would have to win. Yeah, the the, the Colts would have to beat Kansas City, and then. Indy will go into Foxborough. Into Foxborough. One of the most ironic games of the year. Oh yeah, that that game would have so much, the so irony much ball. irony to it. We we will we will we'll talk about that Anyways, if it happens. Though. This game though, yeah, <laughs> the Chargers game. Um, so I feel like the Chargers receiving core is probably going to be a problem for the Patriots. 
because they have Keenan Allen and they have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams goes down the line. Also, Travis Hunter he- Benjamin. Yeah, Travis Benjamin. Hunter Henry's back. Hunter Henry so is Stephen actually a- back. Stephen A. Smith can finally say Hunter Henry has been doing well because he's back. He's back. Antonio I, I Gates. I, I don't know how much he's going to play, though. He, he might be very, very limited well, if he will. He I, very well might be inactive. I, I he's think, off the pup list, but that doesn't mean he's going to play. I think he could very I think he probably will be inactive. I think he plays, if the Chargers win, I think he might play limited snaps in the conference championships. I think if the Chargers make the Super Bowl, that's where you see Hunter Henry play. If he plays in this game, he'll probably... I mean, Antonio Gates will definitely be in for the most part. Oh, yeah. Hunter Henry, it would be very, very limited, you know, snaps. And, and I don't even know if he'd get many targets because of that. I mean, it's just remarkable itself that he's playing. Yeah, but this but, isn't the Hunter Henry show. Yeah, but, yeah, like... Hunter Henry's here. Over, Mike Williams. Overall... Keenan Allen. Melvin Melvin Gordon. Yeah, it's like... Austin who, Eckler. Who, who are they going to... I mean, they have the linebackers. They have... They have... Uh, Donta Hightower. I forgot my own team's <laughs> player's name. Donta Hightower. They've got Kyle Van Noy. They've been doing well. Kyle Van Noy was almost my grandma's cookies this week. Yeah. I'll let the, you know. I think Melvin Gordon coming off of like a small injury that he sustained in uh against the Ravens. I think that the I mean the Chargers like will have to get him going. But I feel like the Chargers run game is gonna be a little weak this coming into this week, but it doesn't really matter because the Patriots have Stephon Gilmore. He's an all-pro this year. He's a, a pro bowler. Mm. And th- he's, I mean, he's he's the only kind of guy in the secondary that could probably stop one of these guys. Yeah. And he'll be probably locked on Keenan Allen. They have Jonathan Jones, who's been doing pretty well in the slot. They, Do I they mean, have Jason McCourty still? They have Jason McCourty. Jason McCourty's been their number two, but he's been letting up, like, huge plays. He made, a, he made a good I'm, in week seventeen. He made a really good play where he forced a fumble, but but that's also against the Jets though. This yeah. is this is a high powered Chargers offense. Yeah, he, Jason McCourty got shellacked against Pittsburgh. that has not lost a game outside of L A. this year. Yeah, they have not lost away. They've lost an away game against the Rams, but it's in L A. They have yeah. not lost a real away game this year. Yeah, the Achilles heel for the Patriots defense is that secondary because I mean though they have Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung. It's just corner depth is what they lack. But also the Patriots offense, I mean, you know, it's you can tell they're still, you know, aching from losing Josh Gordon. And Gronk is Gronk is not Gronk. I really believe Gronk retires this season afterwards. I, I really do. And not just because he's not playing to the high level, but he's his just health. he's just so banged up. He's he needs to prioritize him, his health I over could, everything. Yeah, I could easily see him walking away either this offseason or next offseason. You, you know it, it's 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 gonna be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. It's it's gonna be done. And that's just going to be the beginning of the end, probably, for the Patriots dynasty. Brady's going to be on his way out. Belichick is, I mean, Belichick's probably going to stick around for a couple more years, but I, I hate to sound like just like Boston Sports Radio because everyone trashes Brady, everyone bat- bashes the Patriots. But, I mean, they, they're going to have to start rebuilding soon. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we'll get to that in, like, an off-season podcast. Yeah. But my point of this is, like, the, I really believe this Chargers team is the better team. I mean, they have a better record. There was a reason they were tied for the best record in the in the in the AFC. Yeah, on, it's just on paper probably the Chargers have the better team. It's just going to come down because New England ha- game plans very 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 well. Very well, and I, I mean, and that's and that's how they win their games. I think to me, I think a big factor is like I said earlier in the show. If it snows here. I think the Patriots win 10 out of 10. Yeah. If there's no snow, I really think it's a coin flip. I also think it depends how much um, Melvin Ingram and Joey Boza get to Tom Brady. Yeah. If the two of them are torturing Brady, then the Chargers are going to win this game. If the two, if Brady is sitting in that pocket clean, even with the poor production from skill position players, Brady is still Brady and he's yeah. still going to find ways to win. I mean... The Pats offensive line did actually do... Pretty well in week seventeen, like and Brady kind of, there were talks about him having an MCL injury, and he kind of like shot that down when he was literally able to roll out of the pocket and throw a touchdown. Yeah, I think like they the the offensive line needs to continue being like that. Yeah, to give Brady literally all day to pass. But I mean the Jets defense again. Is, the Jets and the Chargers are two leagues different. Yeah. play of teams like we're in the playoffs well they now. <laughs> yeah these are playoff caliber teams this is a chargers defense that stopped 
Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, insane, like, record-breaking rushing offense. Yeah. And the Patriots' rough rushing offense is nothing like that. And they're also, you know, they play well past coverage, too. Derwin James is Defensive Rookie of the Year. If, you know, him or Darius Leonard, one of them, he's a finalist. Derwin James is a pro bowler. You know, the, this Chargers defense on all cylinders is pretty well-rounded. And I really think that if they play perfectly, and like you said, it all depends on how well the Patriots can game plan against it. I think this, I wouldn't be shocked if this Chargers team wins. I honestly am going to say the Chargers. I think it's definitely very possible for the Chargers to come up on top here. I think, I mean, the only thing that's kind of like waning my like opinion on that is just because last week against Baltimore, they... They won off of kicks. Mm-hmm. Even in the red zone, they just had to like go to kicking, like go resort to kicking a field goal. Yeah. And though New England's defense is definitely not as powerful as Baltimore's, I still think New England has been studying that film like a hundred percent. I think that I mean, just I, I think New England's just gonna pull it off. I I mean, it's very close. I predict the Chargers, but it, a very very close margin of victory yeah um it's gonna be like a one score game yeah i i mean it's yeah it's it's not gonna be a blowout like all these other like we've said like none of these games really deem blowout maybe this last one well um, you know what wasn't a a one score game what the eagles and saints back in week 11 when they last met oh what was the the score of that game the saints came up on top 48 to 7. If I remember correctly, that was the game where I believe like two minutes left in the fourth quarter on like fourth and like 17, the Saints threw a touchdown pass to Alvin Kamara to just rub it in the Eagles' faces. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think you did remember it correctly. But now the Eagles. Although that was a, that was a Carson Wentz led Eagles team, Michael. Yeah. Well, now the Eagles, led by Nick Foles, have the chance to get revenge. Oh, going yeah. Into the, going into New Orleans, New Orleans. Gonna go uh, see the Saints one more time. That's their. This is the last game of the divisional round. Um, definitely, the Eagles are riding high off of taking down Chicago. And you know, and the Saints have just been waiting this whole time. They've been preparing. They've they, just been waiting. <laughs> they've been they've been preparing. The Saints are another team that game plans well. I mean, the Saints are also another team where they're they're arguably the best team in the league right now. Yeah, the Saints are playing phenomenal football. It's going to come down to a lot. I, I really think the Saints win this game. I can't see situations where, you know, Nick Foles, he's proven us he has his magic. Nick Foles definitely is able to sprinkle some kind of magic dust on that football before the games. But I just think at the end of the day, this Bears team is definitely not as well-rounded as the Saints are. And also, I don't think that the Eagles defense can stop Drew Brees in New Orleans. I think they were able to slow down Mitch Trubisky, but Michael, I don't know about you, but Drew Brees and Mitch Trubisky are two different level play of quarterbacks. Yeah. Not saying Mitch Trubisky's bad, but Drew Brees is, Drew Brees is a, a pro- top five quarterback of all time. Yeah, he's a Dr- pr- Drew Brees is a proven Hall of Famer. Mitch Trubisky is not. Drew Brees <laughs> and Patrick Mahomes were neck and neck MVP debates up until honestly now still. I, Drew Brees could still win it. I think they go, it goes to Patrick Mahomes. But Drew Brees could still win it. He's having an amazing season. Yeah. Like, and so it's going to be really tough for the Eagles to pull up. If, if they win this game, I'm going Eagles with the Super Bowl. I'm telling you right now, if Nick Foles finds a way to win this game in New Orleans, I'm going with the Eagles Super Bowl. That would be wild. But I don't. I just don't see it happening. I, I feel like the Saints are going to just take another commanding victory again. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's, not, it's definitely not going to be a 48-7 to victory. I think it's probably going to be like a touchdown and a field goal that they'll win by. See, I think but it's going to be a little bit more. I think the Saints are rolling. I think the Saints will be rolling, and I think they'll be energized up to play the Rams in the conference championships next week. A rematch from earlier in the season, which was a great game as well. How do we know that the Rams are going to win that game? I, I'm just saying, I don't know. I think Rams-Saints, is it's looking forward to it. You know, we, we are big NFL conspiracy theorists here at the First and Ten podcast. <laughs> but uh, I think yeah, Rams-Saints rematch could be in store just for the Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl. Be, Good, get those rematches, back-to-back get those rematches. rematches. Hey, get your rematches get, here. Get your rematches here. Five dollars. Get, get your, your rematches. rematches <laughs> but so, yeah, I'm going with the Saints. I, I, uh, yeah, I'll go with the Saints too. I, and you know what? We're going to have a re. I'm going to have a rematch on what my cookies from last week. Ooh. I mean, I, I, I went with the Colt. Someone on the. I went with uh. We all went Don- Colts players. Yeah, we all went Colts players last week. I went with Dontrell Inman. I'm gonna run it back. 
I'm going to go with another Colt for my cookie this week. You're sticking with a Colt playoff cookie. two Colts. Two Colts, Two Colts. Okay. I'm adding one on last second here. I'm going to say Marlon Mack and Eric Ebron. And Eric Ebron? And Eric Ebron. Because I feel like Eric Ebron is going to be the go-to guy against Kansas City. He has been go-to lately. This is going to be Eric Ebron's Cinderella game. I would like to point out my cookies were probably the best Colt-tasting uh, Colt cookies last week. Yeah, you had Darius Leonard. Who, uh, who went off. I mean, all our Colt... All our Colt cookies were very All our yummy. All cookies did well. Grandma, grandmas, they, they did well for them. But you're going with, you know, Eric Ebron and Marlon Mack? Yes. Wow. Grandma is a big Colts fan here on the First and Ten podcast, huh? Uh, she she loves Indianapolis, apparently. Jim Ursay must be her best friend. <laughs> Grandma is unaffiliated with, uh, with sports teams. <laughs> but she loves the Colts. She loves the Colts. I'm apparently. not going with the Colts. I actually almost was going to go with the Colts again, believe it or not. And then I was almost going to go with Kyle Van Noy. But instead, I'm sticking with a different linebacker, a linebacker duo. I'm going with Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith, and then I'm against a Todd Gurley. So that matchup as a that whole. That matchup. Like I kind of prefaced when we talked about the games, I really think that's going to be a huge part because if the Rams' running attack can't get going against this Cowboys team, I think the Cowboys can pull off the win. I really do. And that's up to Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith, who I think are the best young linebacking duo in the league. Hands down, there's no other linebacking duo that this that is this young and playing this well. And I think if they can slow down Todd Gurley and make Jared Goff forced to be passed, which obviously the Rams' passing attack is also phenomenal, but if they can have to make the Rams one-dimensional, I can see the Rams winning uh, or losing this game. I apologize. However, if Todd Gurley is able to make Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch look silly, the Rams are going to blow them away. Yeah. And my grandma is excited to make those brawling cookies. She's kind of like picturing it like the Madden, what is it, 2010 cover when it was like um, Troy Polamalu and like Larry Fitzgerald like up against each other on the cover. Do you remember yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. That was like that's kind of like what the cookie is looking like. Yeah. It's like Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith like diving at Todd Gurley, but like in one single cookie. In one single cookie. In one that's cookie. That's going to be like a weird... That's a weird, like, cookie-cutter thing that yeah, like, she, she'd have to buy for that. She, she, she made it herself. It was weird. She has, like, one of those smelting things in the back of her house. Jeez. That's how she makes the cookie-cutters to make them look so specific. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know. When I told her about the segment, she was all excited about it. There's a ton of them in there. I think I saw a Nathan Peterman one, but it's all rusty and never used, so... <laughs> Oh boy, let's uh let's wrap this one up, shall we? Kate? You sure we don't want to make more Nathan Peterman jokes? Well, I can keep there, going. There's plenty of time for that. Like Justin Tucker has a better passer rating than Nathan Peterman. But you know what? They're both out of the playoffs now. They both need Nathan Peterman and uh, Justin Tucker are both out of the playoffs. You are yes. correct. So you want to wrap this one up, Cage? Oh, I think I will. Well, Nathan Peterman, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you're not Nathan Peterman and you enjoyed the podcast, I'm happy as well. If you enjoyed what you see, like we said, check us out on our social media. Check us out first and number 10 on Apple Music and Spotify. Definitely. We'd love those five-star ratings. Help us jack us up there. Leave us a, a hearty review that we can laugh at and smile at. We appreciate that as well. We appreciate all the support. We hope you have a good day. We hope you have a good uh, divisional round weekend. And uh, hopefully I won't be sick for next week's podcast. I'm going for two for two in 2019 so far. But uh, have a good day, folks, and we'll see you next week.